2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hey guys, I'm Cy and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation at the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. And this is series two, episode number one. The show is available live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Ace Podcast Nation, of course, your home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more. Do give us a follow on social media. Subscribe to that YouTube channel and click the bell for notifications. Most direct way to support us. And of course, you can get the audio versions at your favourite radio and podcast platform. Just search Ace Podcast Nation and it'll, it'll come up with plenty, plenty of shows, over 460 on various subjects. Uh, but just as we wait for a few latecomers, even though we were a bit late, I must say, um, a big thank you to Black Diamond Sports as ever for all their support around the show, the channel, Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency who represents sports stars from around the world. For more information, you can visit their social media pages as well as their website, the links to which are in the description below. And uh, today's sponsor, uh, the sponsor of the Andy Campbell Football Shows, as it were, is uh, Facebook Financial and Darren Ralston. And of course, Darren still giving away a free will worth £140 cash with any new policy which is taken out. Just check them out, give them a call. Do not miss out on an incredible offer. Just tell them that we sent you. And uh, as long as you take out a service with them, you get a £140 back. What What's not to like about that? They, uh, they, they've looked after Andy with various policies over the years, including critical illness, injury cover. They're top of their field. They provide award-winning service. As I said, there's what's not to like about it. We are proud to partner with such a top-class brand. And we thank them for sponsoring the show But for the first time in a while I am delighted to introduce the goal collector The fox in the box Still the king of the Millennium Stadium My co-host, ex-Cardiff City And Middlesbrough striker The speed machine, the goal machine Davy Jones's favourite son Mr Andy Campbell Welcome my friend, how are you?
0: Good evening. Yeah, um, very different. Very. I, I can't remember the last time we did a show. And we were talking around, um, about the, the the protocol and the run through, but now um, delighted to be on. Got an amazing guest. Can't wait to introduce and dig dig deep into his life and his and his football career because he had a he had a, an amazing one. But I'm going to start with um, something. I got sent something by Kid. I know Kid. Now a group chat at the minute. He watches a show just later. Um Kid's dad. Uh, unfortunately was diagnosed with cancer uh, a couple of weeks ago And he's just started treatment So Cade um, if you can get this message to Mick Mick hope everything's alright And uh, keep fighting Mick because we're all behind you So fingers crossed everything works out for Cade for His family and Mick and his dad and everybody So um, from everyone on the show From everyone anywhere You know what I mean Because we, it's, it's all been doom and gloom hasn't it, for a long time You know what I mean? Restrictions have been lifted today which is great So hopefully we can have a little bit of positivity soon
1: what on, mate. And uh, we are, we're, a, we're a big community here with a child, with the show. We all like to look after each other and uh, encourage each other. So, yeah, big shout-out to Mick. Um, and, of course, I'm delighted to welcome our first guest of Series 2. He is ex-Knox County, Sheffield United, Birmingham City, Watford and, of course, Scottish international midfielder it is Mr Paul Devlin. Welcome, Paul. How are you, mate? I'm
0: oh, good, thanks, lads. Good, thanks for having me.
1: No worries, mate. Really, oh, great to yes. have you on,
0: Dev. Great to have you on. You know what I mean? It's ex uh, teammate of mine. I know we're going to dig deep into your career, uh, but you know what I mean? There's we talk about now about camaraderie and about uh, probably we, we've been on the Euros and we've been on about teams and teams. spirit can go a long way. Um, one of the things that I noticed since you stood out a Mile when you played Dev, was it was just your energy and your attitude in and around the place, you know what I mean? When you were having good times, having bad times and how important is that then from a footballer's point of view that, that you've got somebody around the place who's who's got that kind of extra bit of energy? Yeah, I mean that that, that was always a big part of my game.
2: I was you know, I, I never professed to be the most gifted player in the world, but I always used to try and give give everything I got, whether that be in training or just having to crack around the place with the lads. Probably, probably took it a little bit too far at times. But um, no, I just, I, I loved it, You know, I, I love my career. <laughs> we, we, we were speaking briefly off air, weren't we, about having the crap with the lads. And I, I definitely think, you know, I was fortunate. I played the best part of 15 years. But I much preferred the first half of my career to the second half regards team spirit and the lads and, and, and that togetherness. Um, it's, it's a strange thing to say, because I had, I had quite a good bit of success late on. Getting to the Premiership with Blues and getting my first international cap at thirty, but like, like we spoke about earlier on, that that togetherness with the lads was was always massive for me. You know, I, I made some lifelong friends in football that you know I still see and go and have a beer mm. with to this day. So it was it was a really important part of the game for me.
1: Do you know that really interests me? But we've that, um, uh, we've sorry, go on, Ad. Just got a bit of a delay. Not gone, gone, now, go is, on
0: we've we've said, haven't we? We've said, haven't we, how important it is, I think, the team spirit. Team spirit can get you a long way. You just said there, Dev, about um, about important it is, you know what I mean, about the happiest time and, and, and probably what wasn't the most successful time in your football career, so to speak. But for me, it's just, it's it, it speaks volumes of the kind of managers, what were running you played under, kind of teammates you had around you, that that, that they were the most probably successful time because you pushed all the people along for them. Might not have been personally your successful time, but it was good and probably more successful for those kind of guys and Said there, there's not many, and people say you make many friends in football, but you do when things are going in certain ways, and probably off the. You spend more time off the pitch than you do on the pitch. Sometimes playing football, so it's, you've got to get the right balance, on the, and, and and the balance is key, and camaraderie. And having those kind of characters characters in football is key you don't see them anymore you know what i mean Not about people talk about Gazza, I and mean, obviously just had the euros Euro 96 those kind of players and i'll put you in that category who likes to have a, a joke and and play pranks and do this and do that but football doesn't have those kind of people anymore or it doesn't seem to have unless they're hidden away and we don't know we don't hear the stories anymore yeah i mean what, what i would say and i
2: think it, it's really difficult for the lads now with the advent of social media and camera phones and all that they can't I can't get up to some of the things that we used to go up to years ago when we was going out having a beer and yeah. playing up, you know. So I, I do feel sorry for him. I do feel a little bit sorry for him that way. That you know, I dare say, I'd like to go out and have a beer and have a laugh and a job. But you got somebody there, you know, going to take a picture of and you send it to the newspapers. But yeah, it's, it seems it seems a bit sanitising how the game doesn't it? You know, the, the characters that I used to love growing yeah. up. You know, I, I, I was a Blues fan and Celtic fan growing up. And we had some great characters, the likes of Tony Colton and Down the Blues, Noel Blake, people like that. And I just want to give a special mention to to Big Mick Harford as well today. who was a it was a big hero of mine, and he's he's just uh, he just made it public that he's battling prostate cancer, Big Mick. So I just want to give Mick all my best. Absolute legend of a man, uh, and I'm yeah. sure I'm sure that he'll beat it. So yeah, you know, the, the, there doesn't seem many characters around like those sort of fellas now.
0: Um, I totally
1: agree. Paul, I, I echo to what say. you just
0: said there, though, about Big Mick. You know what
1: I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. Sorry, I, sorry. I, 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 I'm gonna log out. I'm gonna out on again, again. again. Sorry, mate. It's, it's difficult. Technology and with the um, <laughs> d- d- delay makes it difficult. And um, what I was gonna say is, uh, Paul, the thing which in- interested me um, just when you initially were speaking to Andy then is about your enjoyment of your early career, but right. as your career developed, like it, the enjoyment got less. Is that because of the way the game changed Um, and perhaps like I'm asking you, I guess, but like obviously back in the day when Andy was playing as well, like you guys were able to go out and have a beer and, and, uh, you know, have a bit of a a giggle and and whatnot throughout the week. But as as the game developed and sports science and all these different things became more prevalent, is that the reason or is there other reasons sort of alongside
2: it? I I think you're exactly right. Uh, you know, the ga- The game I made my debut in '92 in the, when you, the, the season where it was the old first division before it became the Premier League. I played a couple of games in, in that league for, for Nuts County, and I just think you know, I, I was never in an academy or anything like that. You know, I, I came through non league, I, I didn't turn pro till I was 19, so it was you know, I, I was doing it something that I'd be doing for nothing anyway, but yeah, I mean when the sports science sides come in, more foreign lads kept coming in, the sort of whole attitude of, uh, of of the game changed, really. Um, and I'm not saying it wasn't for the better and we've had some fantastic players and, you know, the advent of sports science and, and, and medicine and all that is he, brilliant. But I just, I enjoyed it more. I enjoyed I, yeah, I, 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 I had a better I had a better time with my teammates the first <laughs> half of my career. And that, that's not to say that the lads I played with in the second half weren't, weren't great lads and we had great times. But, and I think as well because I was only young, you know as you get older, you settle down, you get a family, you get more responsibilities you have to be a little bit more serious yeah. which, which was never my strong point so yeah it was uh, it, it was a strange it was a strange one really. but uh, you know it was my career was better as I got older but less enjoyable and I guess the other thing, paul
1: as well is like um it's not just the sports science side of it like you said, like family and, and things like that, but also like times have changed with media as well. So like yeah. footballers, Premier League footballers can't just go down the street and buy some sugar or just go for a meal with their missus or a couple of beers with their teammates or their friends because they got media fo- photographing them and, and following them around. Yeah. That makes it also more difficult because I would imagine to me, they must be like, oh, I, I can't be bothered with that hassle. So we'll stay in or, you know, you'll have people around your house and stuff like that. Whereas, like you say, back in the day, you were, there was a social side. But also, you know, that's not to say that during that period, people like yourself and Andy and and all the other players who you know who played in that era, they didn't they didn't take the football any less seriously. But there there was a social side to
2: football. Yeah, very much. So I, I think I think if you look at the amount of you know the length of time that myself and Andy and us played. You, you don't play that long unless you're doing something right. You know, 15, mm-hmm. or So you've got to be doing something right. But yeah. I just love, I love that interaction with the fans as well, whether it be at Sheffield, not scared, going out, having a beer in the boozers after the game, speaking to them, telling you if you've played good or if you've played bad. And I just, I don't think fans get that now of, of certainly not Premier League players. I don't know what it's like, you know, sort of championship and lower down. But uh, you know, I, that, that was always part of the game that I, I really enjoyed. Because I remember as a kid, I've still got a picture on my phone of the first professional footballer I ever met, Big Joe Gallagher. I was nine years of age and he came to the Macadam pub in Birmingham and presented the trophies. And it's yeah. always stuck out, stuck out in my mind that. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, to go and put your arm around someone and have a picture with them or have a beer with them and just talk for 30 seconds about the game. I know the impact that had on me when I was a nine-year-old kid. So I think it's a shame that fans, fans don't get that as much now with, with, with the modern-day player.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, uh, Andy's so old that when I was a kid, he, he came and presented <laughs> awards from my football club. No, I'm joking, brother. <coughs> we're nearly the same. He's not. Age. He's not. No, we're really, we're nearly the same age, bro. Nearly. We um, are. No,
0: we are. So uh, 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 I wonder what. Go on. You go. So on, this is sorry. I, I think I'm having a nightmare, my And Um I think it's I think it's Pedro. You know what I mean? Lifestyles change as well. You know what I mean? Like uh, Dev might mentioned there about players who came in, foreign players. Foreign players come in and they do things in different 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 way. Moderation. You know what I mean? They still drink, but they'll drink a glass of wine every day. We didn't mm. we didn't do that. We couldn't probably couldn't handle it in that way. One glass of wine would turn into twelve minutes later on and you know what yeah. I mean? And it'd be a great night by the way. But the but, they, but yeah. the the foreign players would be able to do it and go home and turn up for training the next day we'd turn up for for training the next day. Training and be a good laugh. It would be a little bit more tapered down and watered down because um you know Dory always well, and I, sometimes I don't see players having fun. You know what I mean? I see pictures of Jordan Pickford and, jo- and all the England lads going out with the minute and really letting their hair down, and enjoying themselves. And you know what? Yeah. Fair play to them, good luck to them, because every single yeah, one yeah. deserves to to let them let let them hair down because they've they've, they've worked so hard over the course of probably two years. You know, what I mean, with COVID and not having a summer last year and having the Euros this year and, and all the stress and, and you know, what I mean? good to them. Uh, but I don't ever take back those moments in those times because Dev said there, you know, I mean, my happiest probably time in my career was probably either being a YTS when I'm getting paid £37.50 mm-hmm. or when you're um, socialising and, and having the time of your life as a young person, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and learning
2: life skills,
0: more importantly, you know what I mean? It's just things well, that nobody's well, going to take away from you.
2: I've still got my first contract that I signed at Notts County. So bear in mind, it was in the top division and it was 325, 350, 375. That was my wages for three seasons. And I, and I was as happy, I was as happy in those three years Yep. As I ever was in my whole career, yep. just to be playing, just to be a pro, and just to be playing football full time.
1: Well, you've mentioned there now like twice in the space of a short space of time that stuff you've kept. I've mm-hmm. got to ask: Are you a big uh, like memorabilia collector? Like have you got things like your first shirt, your last shirt, all these? do no, like, d- you d- know
2: what? Stuff? I wasn't because I, I was never one for changing shirts because I thought that they were the enemy. I didn't want mm. anyone's shirt; they were the enemy. So. I probably got about half a dozen shirts from down the years. I mean it's it's mad I saved I saved every contract that I signed for every club. But just you know, can you give us a shirt, can you do a signed shirt, do a pre- so I gave I probably gave away ninety percent of the stuff that I had I had down the years.
1: Um, Paul, I've got to ask just before we flip to uh, the Magnificent Seven, um, we've had this question asked three or four times already, so I'm gonna ask it now. Um Donna and his dad asked it. Uh, I think Gaz asked it. Someone else as well. Um, during the Euros, were you supporting
2: England or Scotland? Scotland, Scotland. Um, listen, don't let the accent fool you. My dad's from a place called Cokewich, just outside Glasgow, and all that sort of, all that sort of, the family is still up there. Every school holiday, every spare minute, I spent in Scotland. So it wasn't a case of it being when I got a Scotland cap along lost relative or a granddad you know it was always always a massive part of my life growing up when we had the home internationals my dad used to scour the pubs of birmingham and bring the 20 drunkest jocks he could back to the house to watch the football so no listen you know it was always scotland first and foremost <laughs> i think i think england done fantastic um i, I, I can't help thinking and in that second half southgate got it slightly wrong and you know that's been harsh on him because he probably got every other decision right. But I think England had, you know, probably their best ever chance to win a competition in that one just gone, lads, to be honest.
1: And did you want England to win the final? Do you want the truth or the... Uh, yeah, I want the, 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 the... the truth. I want the truth. It fascinates me.
2: It, honestly, it didn't bother me. <laughs> honestly, it didn't bother me. Whoever, whoever won. My kids are there and they're supporting England and they still can't get their head around and we'll all support Scotland and not England. So they'd have, they'd have loved it. Uh, I think it would have been great for the country, with you know the the, the eighteen months that we've had. Um, I think we got a little bit carried away again, as uh, as England tend to do when they have a couple of good results. But no, I mean I was I was firmly in the Scotland camp, so you can imagine the stick that I get every time Scotland yeah, play or right England yes. do well. I get I'll get pelters. Oh
1: yes, I and you would. That sounds like you had the exact same uh, <laughs> feeling a feeling about it that I did, and I kept getting asked on the shows we were doing. You know, uh, do I want England to win? Do I want it? And I was like, I don't want England to. No, I'm not going to be cheering them on. Yeah, but yeah. But if they win, I'll be happy for yeah. Andy and people who I, you know, I've got family members who are English. You were you
0: and, honest you know, as well. You were honest. You were honest I was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was, when England when England missed their parties, I was crying like a baby <laughs> <laughs> with, 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 with laughter. No, I can I say. Right magnificent seven so in this uh paul what it is uh, i ask you seven quick fire questions uh you just basically give your first thing which comes to mind okay and uh away we go nice and easy nothing uh, too too strenuous in there but we never know well cut the grenades in there maybe you never know Having that noise for a while. Uh so Paul Devlin, Magnificent Seven. Always nice and easy to start. Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Favourite TV show.
2: Alpha design pet.
1: oh good answer. Uh most hostile atmosphere you've ever played a game of football in. Uh Blues Villa. Oh, nice. uh, not to County or Sheffield United.
2: Oh, come on, This <laughs> <man>. um, <laughs> one I'm not going to separate the two, but I, I, love, I love my time at both of them.
1: Here we go. Good, good. Uh, uh, best manager? you a great
2: question. Um, again, difficult to split for me. It'd be Steve Bruce or Neil Warnock.
1: Oh, that's interesting because I've got some Steve Bruce, Bruce related questions in the live chat already. So we'll get to that in a minute. And a nice, nice, easy question to finish. Doesn't have to be football-related. Who is the greatest Scotsman who has ever lived? Got to
2: be Sean
1: Connery, I think. Oh, well, that's a good one. I like that. I always like that when we get a like 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 an answer that we've never had before and no one has ever said William Wallace. So, uh, (laughs) Sean Connery. (laughs) I was thinking William Wallace because that's what every... Uh, I've seen, I feel like you've had that a couple of times Like, um, But yeah um, So, moving on Because I want, I do want to kind of move us along Because I know Andy's got a load of questions for you i got questions for you And there's questions in the chat So um, tell me why is our next little feature And that's basically I'm going to ask you and Andy uh, a question And you guys have got 60 seconds To answer, talk about it, etc um, But as the guest, Paul You get to decide if you'd like to go First or second
2: I'll go first.
1: First. Like it. So, the question is, how can Scotland and Northern Ireland Ireland, uh, follow England and to a lesser extent Wales uh, to reach tournaments regularly and then succeed stroke, compete at said tournaments? Uh, Your 60 seconds starts now.
2: I think for Scotland, looking at Scotland's uh, situation, very, very difficult. If you look at what say, so for instance, Celtic who have dominated for the last 10 years get for winning the Scottish Premier League compared to what uh, clubs in England get for getting relegated. It's, you know, there's an astronomical difference. There's only six or seven million people in in Scotland or whatever, you know, a tiny population compared to England. And the long and short of it is, we're not producing the players at that sort of grassroots and uh, and home and home level that we were 20, 30 years ago with the Kenny Dog leashes, the Graeme the charlie nicholas's Murdoch mcleod's davy coopers you know all quality players that we used to you know you look the 70s and 80s and all the teams that did well in england they had at least three or four scottish international players playing for them and i just don't think we're producing those players so ultimately we've got to invest more at the you know in 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 the game at grassroots level and and hope that we can start bringing them players through but it's difficult to attract them when you're only getting a fraction of the money as well. that they, they, they get to come down to England. The 60 Seconds
1: up. is oh. up. Well done, mate. That was good. That was really good. That was, I like that. Uh, Andy, same question to you. Do you need the question repeated?
0: Uh, um, yeah, go on then. I think I might have missed some of it.
1: Okay, so uh, how can Scotland uh, and Ireland, Northern Ireland follow England and, to a lesser extent, Wales? to reach tournaments regularly and succeed and compete at said tournaments. Yeah. You good?
0: Yeah. Um, Time go. Yeah, I think I think uh, Dev, Dev mentioned there about grassroots, he's got to start from the bottom. For me, they've got to go on with, um, somebody's got to take control of it though, you know what I mean? Like a, if that's a direct, director of football starting at under-16s or early, 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, 18s, 21s, B team, full squad they've got to start on on, on making a a four- or eight-year plan. You know what I mean? It's got to be England did it uh, probably four years ago and went through the the youth teams, and the youth teams won the World Cup, the 18s won the World Cup, the 19s won the World Cup. Um... I thought totally you'd what you said there, though, about Scottish football. You know what I mean? They're, they're a selling nation. Um, they're selling the players over to, um, over to over down south. And, and sometimes that's a shame. You know what I mean? Selling in Rangers, if they can make a stand sometimes, a, a buying a Premier League player, um, a big one, and making a stand, um, then other players might follow. And it might be a, a nation where you can get um, a more competitive league. The league needs to become more competitive. And the all do that by the team that in Europe. Um, um, and that's in the Europa League and the, and the Champions League. Um, and the league being more competitive, and the only way to do that is by Time's bringing up. better players in. Um, that's a hard question,
1: especially for the first show back, where you're not into the flow of yeah. doing them every week. Um, these next hard questions are question. not, not any easier, I'm afraid. It's probably even harder in some ways. Um, so second question is uh, Andy Carroll has left Newcastle. Um, Was what's happened with uh, Andy Carroll's career? Obviously, looked so promising uh, in those early early years. And um, where is his his level going forward? Because he's barely played in probably the last four years. Uh, From what I can gather, he's been fit at Newcastle, but hasn't been selected. Like what you know, he's still young enough to play. uh, So where do you think he should go? Uh, And what you know, career wise, talk a little bit about Andy Carroll. Um, so, Paul, uh, your time starts now. Um,
2: I think with Andy Carroll, he'll, you know, he'll look back whether it's been injuries or how much does he want to play, and be really disappointed at the end of his career. Because if I was a manager, I personally wouldn't touch him. Because the simple fact is, I'm not disputing the kid has ability, and you know, and, and he can play. But he doesn't play enough. It's pointless having a player there that that plays as little as him because he's going to demand big money unless they put him on some sort of pay-as-you-play deal. Um, I don't know if he was fit and he wasn't playing. Why wasn't he playing? Was he not training well? Was his attitude not well? But but ultimately, for me, footballers need to play. Uh, And if you've got someone that plays, what? If you average his career out, what would he play? Ten games a season? Something like that. If you average his age and and how long he's been playing now, which ultimately, it's, it's regardless of how good he is, if he's if you sat in the treatment room or in the stand, he's not going to do you too many good. So, I think to a certain extent, it's, mm. I, I, I feel bad to say wasted career, but um, he hasn't
1: made it Yeah, see, I like, I like Paul because as soon as he says his time's up, he cuts off straight away. <laughs> it's not like Campbell who carries on talking for 10 <laughs> minutes afterwards. <laughs>
0: That's only because of my co- connection.
1: Yeah, that's what it's the delay, mate. That's what it is, isn't it? It's the delay. It's just a, one of those things. Um, do you need the question again, and I'm ready. Ready to rock. So, your 60 seconds starts now.
0: Um, I agree it's entirely what Dev's just said there. Um, for me, I think it's a bit of a waste. For me, a player's got to want to play. Um, a player's got to want to play on a Saturday. If you're not playing on a Saturday, what, he's not in a position where he needs the money, but he wants to play football. When you look back at you, you're going to look back at how much he's how many games you played, did he fulfill his potential, did he get those England caps that he should have got. He played unbelievably well for England, then all of a sudden he got dropped by his country because he wasn't playing football. You know what I mean? If you're fit at Newcastle United and you're not playing, why aren't you playing? Is it because of your ability? If you're not good enough, go and find the level that you're going to play week in, week out. If that's a championship then go and play. If that's League One, go and play. If i play 30 games a season, if your body allows it, I your body does allow it, because his body's not tuned enough to go and play 40 games a season, which I think is really sad for a footballer. Um, you know what I mean? Because that midweek games and Saturday games, he should be playing 40, 50 games a season for the next four or five years. But I don't think his body's ready to do that. And I think it will pack in if it did do that. Um, I feel really sorry um, for up. his body for that. But for me personally...
1: Yeah, it is difficult, isn't it? Because hard He's 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 had he's had he's had a few nasty injuries, and he's had a lot of niggling injuries over the years. But from what reports say, he's been fit now for the last year or so. But he still hasn't played. Um, and I remember reading something about eighteen months ago, where uh, someone was questioning his desire to play and whether, you know. Where the part of it was like psychological because he's been injured for so long he kind of feels every niggle and every twinge and I look, I'm not criticizing if that if that's the case I'm not criticizing him whatsoever. I know what it's like to be in pain all the time and it's it's very difficult and it's just unfortunate because I think he's actually quite yeah I think he's quite a talented footballer, but like Paul said if you've averaged like 10 games a season over your career. And playing as long as he has it's not enough to really yeah for clubs to pay you the amount of money that footballers get paid
2: what, what I would say as well so is, I mean and andy'll tell you it's very very rare as a footballer maybe the first game of the season that you're not carrying some sort of knock or some sort of niggle some yeah. of tightness or a bruise you're always carrying a little something but you just have to go through it but if if he's at that stage now where mentally you can't play unless He's not feeling anything. Then he, he's only going to play a couple of games a season because you get tackled in in every game, and you know, or especially the older mm. you get, you feel things twice as you know. It takes you twice as long to recover.
1: Yeah, spot on, Paul. Spot on. It's um, it's like, it's, a also, comments, it's also style
0: it? of play as well, though si. mm. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Style it is. Of yeah, play,
0: if, he, if, it's, if people play with a false name, he's he's. Like, You've got to play for Andy Carroll. You didn't use any balls in the box, and for me, those systems, those players are few and far between at the minute. You know what I mean? So, you've got to fill the gaps with that. So, you know what I mean? Part of me then is starting to feel sorry for him because it's the way that he mm. plays. You know what I mean? Can he get hold of the ball and, 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 you know what I mean? Take the game in between. It's probably not. You, know I mean? you need in the box. You need flick on centre forward. Nobody plays four-four-two anymore. It's normally one up front with three mm. behind, and um, with a little bit more leg work, balls over the top, and. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe he is a, a kind of sub-player um, where you can bring on to the last 15-20 minutes in both boxes for defensive set-pieces, attacking set-pieces and get balls in the box, but he won't hear that.
1: Yeah, and from, from what I... Again, it's only what I've read in the newspapers. He doesn't seem to want to drop down to the Championship. Uh, I think what? he did do one, one year in the Championship. I think he did when Newcastle got relegated, but he has been reluctant to drop down. But ultimately... I don't see any Premier League clubs taking a risk on him. Maybe somewhere like Burnley or somewhere like that where they might say no to him, we'll you know, like pay as you play. But, you know, if they can I go look, and pay... Sorry, I
0: look at Chris Wood. I look at Chris Wood. Yeah. Chris Wood's 10 oh. times a player he is. So why would why would they, why would they pay 40, 20, 30, 40, 50 grand a week for someone who's not even going to get a minute minute more than Chris Wood's going to get? And they've got... Who else have they got? Vidra. They've got players who've who, who done well in the Championship Who deserve a chance in their team I, I don't see anybody who's going to take a risk because that's what it is even if pay even pays your player deal it's going to cost you a lot of money because he, he might turn up and play 10 games if that's 25 grand for every game he plays that's a lot of money for a football club who can't afford it
1: currently who can afford it Yeah, no, that's right Paul, you mentioned a minute ago about um, players like wanting to play and stuff, and um, Ian in the chat just said about the amount of players within the Premier League who are earning a crazy amount of money and just aren't playing football. Like you've got like Phil Jones at uh, Man United. I think he's on like a hundred grand a week. hasn't played a a game of football in probably three years. But a lot of that time he has been fit. He just is not being selected in the squads, let alone the first eleven. And then you know, for every team, there's a handful of players in that situation.
2: I just, I just, I could never, I could never ever get my head around players that don't. listen. Don't. we all go through spells where we're out of the team through lack of form or injury or coming back from suspension. But you know, wherever I was, if I if I wasn't playing regular for a, a, an amount of time, I'd want to move on. I'd want to play. You know, I want to look back. I'm near. I'm 50 next year. I want to look back and say, yeah, I played 500 games. I scored 100 goals. I played in that game. I played, yeah. not, not that I sat on the bench for someone for 12 years, but earned a load of dough. You know, at the, at the end of the day, football's about playing. Football was play, always about playing for me. And, and I really couldn't get my head around players mm-hmm. that were happy to sign contracts off the contract, after contract to, to be subs, basically. And there's enough of them out there, let me tell you. Obviously. I played with loads of them who were happy to sign, yeah, sign totally but weren't really bothered about playing. And, but that that would have draw. I'd have booted everyone in training. I'd have just completely lost lost me. Head if I, you know, if that was my attitude.
1: So here's a question for you both. Then, mm, totally. uh, what about what about Tom Heaton, uh, who's gone back to United? Uh, who uh, you know, unless they do sell one of uh, De Gea or Henderson, mm. he's going to be third choice. Um, like he's moved there, knowing that he'll at the moment he probably won't even play League Cup games. Is it different for a goalkeeper or is he backing his ability to force himself into number one slot or number two slot?
2: I think it is, I think it is slightly different for a goalkeeper. But you still have yes, to say, I, I mean, how, old's Tom, how, old's Tom how old
1: is Tom he? I think he's 32. But that's so he's,
2: he's, he's not old in keeper's terms. You know, for me, personally, I'd still be wanting and look and maybe play for another three or four or five years somewhere if I was him. He's not going to play, is he? He's not going to play. Very, very rare. So he's basically admitting his, oh, he's, his,
1: he's, his 35, he's,
2: 35. he's 35. He's 35. I was, well, 35, but yeah, maybe listen at that age and a goalie, maybe he could have gone somewhere else and play. I can half see it a little bit in that scenario, but it still wouldn't be something that that I personally would want to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, and did you think it's because yeah, exactly. it's the club he started his career at, mate? And do you think that that's why uh, yes he's gone no. there?
0: Yes and no. I think. Yeah, I think. Yes and no. I think. Listen, I think I agree what Dev just said there a little bit, but I agree what you say. I think. Listen, I think there's only these opportunities come around certain, You know what I mean? Going back to Man United is probably a, a chance, once in a lifetime opportunity. You probably sees Man United as an opportunity to win something as well. You know what I mean? They're bringing players in. They've got. They're getting a little bit of a, um, a steamroll effect. Um, they've got players coming back from the Euros. They've got an opportunity next year to be to do well in Europe, in the league, FA Cup. So maybe he sees a chance to win a trophy. Um, maybe he sees his chance to, to battle it out to be number two, you know what I mean, you've, you've got to back his own ability, I, I, I think he's a very good goalkeeper. I think you think he's good at himself I think he's exceptional against, Who knows, you know what I mean, you don't really know those these kind of questions yet, and it could turn out to be a, a very good signing for both parts but I, you, you're on about there, talking about players I read a story the other day, it was Chelsea against uh, Peterborough, it was a pre-season game watched the highlights, and Danny Drinkwater he signed for Chelsea for £35 million and hasn't played a game, and Three years ago, it was. You know what I mean. He won the champion. He won the Premier League with, with with Leicester. Signed for Chelsea. And listen, I'm not saying he should have. He, he should be playing games. But if you don't play for a year, you go and play somewhere else. You go and sign for another team. You don't let things fester on waste because Chelsea have got that money. They would have paid you off anyway. It's not a financial decision. He's won the Premier League at Leicester City. You don't go from being a, fresh, a, a, a Champions League player and a Champions chip winner to not playing again. It's just I'm mm. starting. You know, I you said that, 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 that yeah. As a player you give yourself an amount of time. Mine was probably a month. If I didn't play in a month, I'm knocking on the manager's door. If I didn't play in six mm-hmm. weeks, I'm, put, I'm I want to go on loan. If I didn't play mm-hmm. for three for two months, three months, I'm, I'm doing a transfer requesting. There's 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 the amount of time that you give it. You know I mean nowadays it's different because there's there's only two transfer windows. So you you you're in a limited opportunity, limited window. But every transfer with me, I, I one. If that was if that was the summer Christmas, then the summer Christmas, then the summer. These players have had nearly eight transfer windows and they've not moved anywhere and they've not played any games. I think that for me, that's it's poor. It's heartbreaking because players. Yeah. It's a short career when you look back at your career. Yes, you'll see that Premier League Premier League winners medal, but that should have been two, three, four Premier League winners medals potentially. You know what I mean? I don't see how we, how they can't look back with a little bit of regret, a little bit. So with
1: them, with Drinkwater's, um, in his case, he, I know he went on loan. I um, think it was a Villa, Someone said, he went to
0: Turkey but he went well. on
1: loan to a Premier League team, didn't he? And he and he got sent back because he headbutted a teammate, and I think there was a, a some sort of incident with drinking as well, um, which was in the paper. So I question whether the reason he's not playing football at Chelsea is if his attitude is, um, you know, if it's where it should be um, to be. Uh, you know, you, yeah, well, you,
0: but then it's, it's a weird possibly, one because... We can only read the stories, can't we? we only, yes, of course, only, yeah. Um, we we were only told what, 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 what we were allowed to hear, you know what I mean? And But end of the day, if Chelsea wanted to get rid of him and he'd done something wrong, they could have sacked him and he could have gone... Yes. They, they would have saved yeah. a lot of money on him. Whereas, for me, they've paid his wager for three years and he's still there. Now this is his fourth year and he's playing in a pre-season friendly with players who also haven't played in the last... Um, Three years, four years. You know what I mean? They've got a full team of them while all the players are coming back from the Euros. So it's, it must be a very strange thing for a manager like Tuchel, for example, who's, who's having to see all these players play when no one else has seen them play. So it's, uh, it's a difficult one. It is
1: very difficult. Um, so just while we wait for Paul to come back, uh, what do you think of. Um, I just want to ask you about Lee Tomlin and uh, his Cardiff City career. Do you think it's over? Is he going to play this season? Do you think he's going to go? Where do you think it stands? Because obviously it was only a couple of years seasons ago where he came back at pre start of preseason looking like a million dollars and motivated in sensational shape. Um where are we going with him? He didn't play a lot of football last year. Do you think his like do you think he's gonna stay at Cardiff?
0: Um, he's been involved in the, in a couple of preseason games. He's got himself back in the shape that probably should have been um, I still think he's got some fitness to go. I think he's still got a long way to go because it's not just about getting in good shape and looking in good shape. His body's got to be tuned, ready to play games and not just games. Listen, he's, he's, he's Lee Tomlin. We're, we're expecting him to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday Tuesday for 50 games because Carlos you are going to do well this year and they're going to um, create chances, score goals. They need him to uh, to play every single game because you can't play three games and then miss three games because the games that he's missing, they miss him too much because he's that influential. He's good on the pitch. He's good off the pitch. He has that much, that much influence. Um, but so they need to they need to get these things right. And for me, there's no point in playing a game, missing a game. And how can you how can you justify paying people's wages, for example, and in, in, in putting them in and bringing them out? You mean that yes, rest them in cup games if you're not not interested in that cup. If you're going for the league this season, you want to get in the Premier League, then he's got to play for me. He's got to play 35 games a season and Cardiff City will have an opportunity to get in the Premier League or get in the playoffs because he's that good. He could turn every game. He's that good. He can, he can win a game on his own. He can create chances for the centre-forwards. If you've got him with Kiefer Moore up front, you've got an opportunity for Kiefer to score 25, 30 goals this season and Lee will chip in with another 5, 10, 15 goals. And then there's other players. You centre-half score goals because of the way that the player. You know what I mean? So for me, there's a great. For, right, but got to be fit. got to be physically, and physically and right? There's no point putting him in and pushing him, pushing him, pushing him if he's not fit.
1: Um, I've got to say, I do not see uh, a scenario where Lee Tomlin is ever able to play 35 games a season. I just don't think he will able, be able to do that anymore. But I do think that if... It's the, manage, as, it's the same as Andy Carroll. He can manage his games, though, that they could get a tune out of him and he can be very influential. What do it's you the say? same
0: as Andy Carroll, isn't it? You know, that you've, it, it, it's, it? It's the same as Andy Carroll. If you, if, you, if you start him in a game, are you going to get an hour out of him? Are you going to put him on the bench and get 30 minutes him? Are you going to... Are you, are you, no, we're winning the game. We bring him off. Are you gonna? Are you gonna bring him on in a in a in a tight game to change the game and bring it back to the way that you want it. It's it's a it's a very difficult difficult one because he's got to also fit the way that Cardiff City play um, with the way that mm-hmm. Mick, Mick McCarthy plays because Mick plays it in a certain way. He plays different to what um, Neil Warnock plays. You know, I know Dev mentioned Neil at the start. You know, I mean, he knows exactly how he plays. And Neil uh, uh Lee Tomlin. I think he got the he got the, probably the fit end before he had his injury problems and, and he hasn't really recovered from probably being unfit and getting getting that kind of uh, mindset yeah. of picking in. OK.
1: Um, so, uh, Paul, I'm going to throw some questions at you from the live chat. Um, we've got a couple of absolute doubters. Um, so there's a couple about like you and your career. There's a couple about asking your opinion of other stuff. Uh, so I'm just going to pick the first one, which I see, which is... Donna Perry says, do you think Harry Kane is overrated?
2: Oh, I mean, you'd have to say if you look at the amount of goals he scores, then probably not. But um, no, it's it's a good question. Would I put him up there with the likes of some great strikers that I've seen like Van Nistelrooy and that down the years? Probably not, but I'd, I'd probably say he's about the best. Homegrown forward about the minute as well, so it's a re- really good question. I just probably say no, just probably say, Would you pay 150 million
1: for him if no. you were a top six yeah. side?
2: No, no, what is he now? 28, 29, yeah. So this is it, this is his last big move. So, um, it realistically, wherever he goes for four or five years, there's not going to be anywhere near that, that resale value, but. You do probably, you, you know, what I would say, you could probably guarantee yourself 20 goals a season by buying him. Now, for, mm. one, of the, for one of the top clubs to, yeah. to have a guaranteed 20 goal a season, it, it's it's worth big money. Andy will tell you the hardest thing to do in the game is score goals and, and he does it all the time. So, you know, £150 million, probably a little bit too expensive, but somebody will pay big money for him.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Cade says, uh, who is the most aggressive player... That you played against.
2: Played against uh, yeah. Stuart Pearce liked to tackle. Uh, he, he was he was very aggressive. Stuart
0: Pearce. extremely.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Martin Martin Keown as well. He was he was r- really really physical. Um, it's dif- it's difficult to to think of to think of one really because you think of one, then somebody else pops into your mind. But as a as a you know, I played sort of ninety percent of my career wide right. I think Stuart Pearce was the one that you thought, oh, here we go, you're gonna, you're gonna get belted today.
1: Interesting, interesting. I wouldn't fancy playing against Stuart Pearce. I've got to be honest. Um, there's a few though, one there from that era, like, um, like Ruddock and Roy Keane and and Patrick Vieira. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a few which uh, like to like to tackle, should we say? But they're all winners um, though.
0: They're all winners. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Winners. And then that's it, isn't it? It's that... Uh, It comes as part and parcel of it, doesn't it? That that mentality. Um, Oh, there's an interesting one, which we don't hear every day. Um, Gaz says, uh, and he says, for all three of us, who is the most famous person in your phone contacts? Uh, Paul, go on, you go first as the guest. uh, I haven't
2: got anyone famous in there, I don't think. Um, I don't think they're just ex-footballers, really yeah i don't know robbie savage probably sav sav he's caught famous Sav on the telly but no no one else really i
1: think andy you've got anyone spring to mind made for you i don't know he's frozen um i don't think i've got i can't i'm trying to think if i've got anyone uh like i've got a load of uh i've got loads of fighters and footballers and all sorts from you know, like Paddy Pimblet and uh, some boxers and and whatnot, um, So I think some media members. No one, or Johnny uh, Johnny Owen, I guess. Uh, Eddie Webber, probably from the from the business and the rise of the foot soldier and that yeah. sort of stuff. I think that's the most famous one. Andy, who's the most famous person in your phone contacts? Me and uh, me and Dev are not doing well. <laughs> oh, he, he had he had Robbie uh, Sargent, so I
0: think it's pretty good. Uh, Here he comes now. Uh, most fit? Well, uh, no, not, uh, well, most famous one. Uh, uh, I've uh, been in contact with Neil Warnock He's obviously one of my one of my current <laughs> middles manager. So I'll I'll, I'll go with Neil because he's he's more current on this show because Dev mentioned him and he's obviously ex of current yeah, middle right. manager. So um, I'll go. I'll go Neil.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Mehmet Dalman, but. He's not necessarily famous, but Cardiff City chairman. I think you know, that's a pretty good one for a Cardiff yeah. fan as well. Um, a, yeah, to right. a right. Good one, isn't it? Uh, what else we got? So, do, 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 do. Uh, oh, there you are. Who is the, who's the biggest knobhead, Paul, that you've met through football in all your years in the game?
2: <laughs> I, I tell you, I used to hate. Yeah, and I thought he was Danny Teato, the left back played for Leicester and Manchester. I hated him. People used to go on about Muscat, Manse, Kevin yeah. Muscat. but I, 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 a lad I used to play with—I don't know if he was at Sheffield and You was there. Andy Sean Murphy, big centre half, Australian lad. He was quite pally with Muscat, so I did actually yeah, go yeah. out a couple of times in their company, and he was all right, Kevin Muscat. He was just a nutter on the pitch, but <laughs> I hated Danny Teato. He was—he was just nasty and. You know, he'd step on you and everything.
1: He was just—he he, he was a nubber, yeah, big nubber. Excellent. I—I I, do—I do enjoy that question when it pops up because everyone's got different reasons, different answers. But um, I mean, that's the—that's what the question, I guess, in is looking for, isn't it? Is, is those players who wind other players up and get a reaction out of them. That's, yeah. the, that's what people want to hear. Um, so. Uh let's have a look. I'm just gonna pick one more question from the live chat and then we'll let um we'll let Andy ask you a question or two because I know he's eager to do so. Oh there you are. Paul Hipkiss said, uh, who's the best client you've ever PT'd?
2: Oh Paul Hipkiss without a doubt. <laughs> Paul, I gotta say that that's <laughs> why he's asking the question. And I will tell you what. Ask him where he got that shirt from. I thought it was Magnum P.I. When mean, I've just seen that shirt on the picture. <laughs> no, Paul was great. Paul, Paul, come and train with me for about eight. Been big blues fan as well, which, which always makes it better. So Paul done great.
1: Like it, like it. Well, uh, right then, Mr. Campbell. I know you're itching to ask Paul some questions, so uh, let's release you from yeah. the, the wild.
0: Oh, right, I just want to start how you. But just- a little earlier on about, uh, about starting non league football. You know what I mean? You, you see all the, all the teams now in, in academies and, and and starting off, obviously, like apprenticeships and, and stuff. But tell everybody what it was like then earning your strength in non league football because you see some other people who've done it in Wright's done it and some other, some other top players have done it. But did you think that was the right way for you to do it? Did you, because you were playing against men at a young age? But how important was that development for you?
2: Really important, and you just said a statement there, and which is massive. Playing against men, all these under 21 leagues and under 23 leagues and stuff like that. You know, at sort of 17, 18, I was playing with men in the conference. Uh, I was at Stafford Rangers. I had a European Cup winner, Desi Bremner, who was about 38, 39 in the team. You know, non-league legends like Mickey Tui and people like that. And you learn off them, and you're playing against. You know, you're playing against men that. You, you can put the best 18-year-old up against another 18-year-old, but then putting up against a bloke who's 31, 32, who's been round the block, he's going to leave a bit on him. He's You know, yep. he's going to elbow him and kick him. And it's, it's a completely different thing. And I was glad that, you know, I went for trials at Derby and they said no. I went for trials at Oxford and they said no. I was up at Leeds. I was up at Liverpool. So, you know, I've I, I done the rounds, but I stuck at it. And eventually, Lord Neil Warnock gave me a chance. But I'm really... I think it made me more appreciative of when I did turn Uh and it, it, it toughened me up. Definitely, definitely playing against men
0: yeah. from
2: such an early age, definitely toughened me up. And, you know, it was always a side of the game that I quite enjoyed anyway, that, that physical side of it. So I, I, I look back and I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy the way that I come through. I see these academies now where they're taking lads at eight and nine, releasing them at 14, breaking their hearts and the kids aren't playing again. You know, it's, it's, they're taking them too young and a lot of these academy staff will still take great pleasure in telling you well only one in every hundred make it i thinking, well there's more money and getting spent on academies now and you got more kids in the system but still only one in one in a hundred are making it so why is it better now than when you just uh, used to have a youth team and saw the two best players from the youth team so I'm, I'm not i'm not a big fan of the academy setup as you can probably tell and that's, i mean that's a fair point and
1: isn't it it's, um... Like, people bang yeah. on about the academy systems and everything being better, but I think a lo- we've talked about a length on this show and some of the other shows, the mental health shows I do, about the impact on players who are in academy yeah. setups from, like, a young age, say, seven or eight, all the way up to 16, 17, and then suddenly they're told, bang, you're not good enough. They've spent their last three, four, mm-hmm. five years as a teenager banking on the fact that they're mm-hmm. going to be the next Ronaldo, or they're going to be a yeah. footballer, and it, and then football clubs just discard them, mm. and then they're left to deal with it on their own. That's I, th- I think is a is a, I think well, just, a big thing, not just them a as big well. Problem within
0: football. It's not just that, not just them. it's parents as well. Parents are banking on the kids to be a professional footballer, and it's, such, it, it, it's pressure on the kids. You know, that's why you see um, young people making. Choices choices when, when, when they do get released from football clubs that think it's the end of the world and um, you know what I mean there's a level for everybody Dev's just a really important point you know what I mean we've got so many people in the system currently in the system in academies uh, for whatever age it, that's from 8 all the way through to 16 but the percentage is less than 1% making it you know what I mean so why is the percentage getting less when we've got more players surely it should be getting higher because we've got more players you know what I mean because the coaches are better we've got um, ex-players within the system now we've got um We've got psychologists, we've got sportists, we've, we've got training. You know what I mean? Surely. There's got to be a there's got to be a better volume and a higher volume of players making it. It's just impossible. You know what I mean? Dev mentioned there about, and I mentioned previously about um, playing men's football. The under twenty three league for me is a is a sham. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be allowed to happen. Yeah. Pontins League football's got to come back. Um, it made me the person I am. You know what I mean? From sixteen year old, I was looking to be a YTS, but I was playing reserve team football against men straight away. Um, yeah, I remember playing against Matt Elliott a Leicester. Spencer Pryor, yes, he was a he wasn't as old as. as, as an experienced player was but he was still a season pro at leicester city and a man city when i played against them you know so that they'd had a good career they were they were hardened and they're doing the stripes so it's, it was it was it's an experience that you can't replicate you know what i mean you go to under 23 weeks and
1: give him, a, give him a minute see if he comes back
0: for me no, he's back
1: <laughs> uh, sorry mate you just um, you were you, can, you, you can were good and then 20, you just froze up
0: yeah yeah I know um, you, you, get, you get a lot at 23 Um, hasn't made his debut in the in the, in the the first team you know what I mean for me if you haven't made your debut by probably 18, 19, 20 you've probably got to look is this the right club for me and do I need to drop down a level to step back up or do I need to drop down a couple of levels to step back up do I need to go to semi-pro to get back in the pro game you know I mean? there's no point in getting dropped at 23 and not being able to find a club you know what I mean for me sometimes Clubs can string players along for so long, and it's 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 de- oh, yeah. detrimental to the, to the player. You know, it's such a shame for me. I, 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 I'm the same there, but everyone in the show knows my feelings about academy football and and, uh, and under twenty three, especially. I think it should be back to Pontins League. I'd love to watch reserve team football and watching the Paul Devlin's McIntry playing against playing with a sixteen year old kid, helping him out. You know what I mean? And imagine imagine Dev, Dev playing his right wing against a, a fullback who's who's coming into the game. You know, it's it's good for Dev because he gets to play against a young lad, but it's great for the young lad to play against an experienced footballer. It's just it's win-win for everybody. I just don't see it as yeah. a as a bad thing for me. It's yeah. just a win-win. And I just don't oh, see why it's and, why it's not getting brought back in. And, and I remember speaking to
2: Tommy Mooney a couple of years ago when he he was working at uh, at the villa at the time, doing their under 23s or 21s. And he was saying Dev, he said, We've got lads that they're on nowhere near the first two in the twenty-threes on three or four, four grand a week. He said, they're not interested in dropping down and going to play at Wickham or Northampton. So they're just happy to sit there. But again, it's what we spoke about earlier on. How bad do you want to go and play? You know, do you want to have four years in the Villa under 23s and then get released? Or do you want to go and play? I mean, Delhi Alley was a good example, wasn't he? Dropped down and played 100 odd games yep. for Milton Keynes then gets his, you know, his big yep. move back to Spurs. So I just think, you know, there's, there's got to be a willingness from, from
0: these lads to want to go and play and, and, and test yourself. Absolutely, bang on, bang on. it's just so fruitful, isn't it? you know what I mean. We spoke about at length about how players have got to have that willingness to want to go and play. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's probably a year. You know what I mean? It's it's a year out of your life. You'd probably be you take that step back to to reinvent yourself. You know what I mean? Because Delhi Ali did it. There's other players who've done it. You know what I mean? You see players who who are going to get moves in the summer, who played for the country. Who listen? It's all about all about getting but you're going to showcase you're not playing on the staff. you watch 23 football and see if you're ready for the first team because and I'll use Villa and Warsaw as an example Warsaw's men's football week in week out is a tough standard you know what I mean are the 23 lads at Villa ready for it probably not you know what I mean they'll look at lads who are playing in around that, that level or even at, at Stafford Range for example and looking at a young lad who's playing against men week in week out he's more ready because he's, he's playing men's right. football and for me sometimes lads have to understand that that there's there's people every year coming through the system, every year coming through the game, every year dropping out from over level, higher level, same level. You know the number, and you've got to be very careful that you don't just put the number and just and not professional footballer because it's it's once you're out of it, you're out of it, and there's probably no getting mm-hmm. back into it, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a weird thing, though, isn't it? Because yeah, you know, we all want these young footballers if they're good enough to play and to go and play, and I think. Sometimes, like someone made a good point there about Cardiff City, they had um, basically a choice um, where they had Sean Spencer and Ruben Corwell, and they made a choice to keep Corwell and release Sean Spencer, even though both had been talked up as exceptional footballers for the club going forward. But they've let one go and they've gambled on Ruben Corwell being the one that's going to make it. But Reese makes the point: like, why didn't? If they're both good enough, why wouldn't you keep both? And then send them both out on loan rather than kind of gambling on one making it and one not it's, it's this weird thing um the way the academy system is run it doesn't make a lot of sense to me um from from all sides from the football club side other than the academies and the development centers taking money off parents yeah. for training and traveling and all this different stuff kit and the rest of it like i don't really understand what it's doing for well. One thing I will say, I think it's improved is the, the actual coaching and getting players technically better, young boys technically better. But it's um, it's a different, it's a weird one. Andy, what do you think about the Cardiff thing there with Spencer and Colwell and gambling on one rather than keeping the both and loaning them and whatnot?
0: Um. I think you've you've gotta you've gotta really understand that it's that it's it's the final decision, isn't it? You know what I mean? So for me I would have probably sent them both out on loan to see if they're both ready and see and probably put them pitch them both at the same level, if that's League One, both at the same level and just keep an eye on them both and see if they're both ready. If one's ready, bring them back, leave the other one there. But there's also success stories as well, you know what I mean, with this what we're talking about, you know what I mean? I'll use um, Cameron Cox as an example, you know what I mean. Obviously everyone will know Cardiff City from Cox to Cardiff Cameron went to left Cardiff City, went to um Soli um, played all last season. I think he played about thirty odd games. You know what I mean in, in, in men's level, men's football. He's earned his stripes, so to speak. He's now got himself a loan move to Colchester United um, in League Two. So he's he's now back in football league. You know what I mean. So I, there is success stories, but but we've said all along. Dev said it. Yeah, I've said it. You've said it. These players have to want to play, and there's there's a lad who wanted to play. So he's dropped down f- what four levels to step back up a level and then yeah, I'm guessing he's going to step up a level and step up a level again. You know what I mean? So that's, it's all down to the individual. You know what I mean? If manager's having a conversation with a, with a player and he's saying, I don't want to go out on loan, then what do you want to do? Do you want to sit and play with the 18s? Because 18s isn't going to make you a better footballer. So if you if you haven't the aspiration and the desire to want to play, then the door's over there. See you later. You know what I mean? Sometimes you've got to be that ruthless. and You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not saying that every manager's probably like that, but at the end of the day, Managers have a decision to make, you know what I mean? It's sink or swim for some, some players and, you know, if they're told to go out and go and prove themselves, you go out and prove yourself. You know what I mean? You're going out to go and play. What's better than playing? There's nothing better than playing. Well, well, at least well, I know for
2: a fact when, when Neil Warnock was at Cardiff, he wasn't bothered about the 23s in the slightest because, mm. he, because his thinking was, if they're not in my first team at that age, they, they ain't going to be... And I know that yeah. for a fact because I spoke Bang to someone who worked at the club, yeah. and I've, I've played for Neil twice as yeah. well. And that was and so that's the first team manager with an attitude of, well. It's a waste of time under twenty three football.
1: That's uh, that's interesting because.
0: Go on, Andy. Oh, but it's true though, isn't it? You know, what I mean, it's the same as it's same as being injured. You get you get managers if if you're not used to if you're not. If you're not fit, the manager doesn't want, doesn't want to know you because you're not there. You, he's, he's only bothered about the 20, 25 people in front of him. You know what I mean? And, and that's it's not a bad attitude to have. You know what I mean? Because he's got all his... He's... <clears throat> um,
1: okay. Andy seems to so have frozen, so what I'll do is, um, I will take on, just talk, We obviously we're talking academy football, Paul, but yeah. um, moving on in your careers, I think, obviously, what was it like to go on and make your professional debut? Was it a big jump in terms of quality and also, you know, how did that feel? How were you feeling in the run-up to it as well?
2: Yeah, it was massive because I'd gone from sort of playing Sunday football to conference football to pro football, all within about... Sort of twelve to eighteen months, and I made my dad never forget it was the end of the season. Red up day like it's been today, playing against Coventry, and at the time Kenny Sampson was England's most capped fullback. He had eighty six caps, so I'd gone from eighteen months before playing Sunday football to playing against somebody with eighty six caps, and uh, I never, I never had a kick to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, yeah, Nerve wracking, you know, you you coming from sunday football non-league football and then all of a sudden you're playing you're playing in the top division um so yeah it was it was a a, a big eye-opener for me and the, the funny thing about it was obviously Notts county got relegated that year but we actually we beat luton and beat. i played two of the last three games and we we, we we won two games so it was great to make my debut in the, the top league and you know, I'll get a couple of victories, but unfortunately, us, Luton and I, I can't remember who else got relegated that year. Mm. And you look where Notts County are now, they're, they're not even in oh. the league, so
0: it seems, no. even, it seems even longer ago now. We went. Sorry, sorry. No, come. Is that I'm why sorry, Neil Warnock is, is so high in your esteem then, Deb? Because obviously, he give you your opportunity because everyone remembers the manager giving the debut, everyone remembers the person who give them the opportunity. Is that why Neil's so prevalent in your? um career in your thoughts and and the, and, and how highly you speak of him yeah i think
2: so because uh like i say, I, I had trolls at a lot of lot of different clubs i had a lot of disciplinary problems when i was young especially uh and he, he, he I, don't I don't believe it <laughs> yeah,
0: don't I believe are, yeah don't believe it do
2: that mate, when i realized <laughs> how much it cost but yeah male uh, took a chance and then obviously I played again for him in sort of 2000 and I was player of the year for Sheffield when he was manager there. So I had I had a couple of really good, really good spells under Neil, you know, and he, he knew how to get the best out of me. You know, he, I'd say that's one thing where, where Neil and Bruce are pretty similar. Not coach, I'm not saying they can't coach, but they're not so much coaches, but they're good man managers, good motivators. They know how to get the best out of people and they always had good coaches in, the, in there with them. So, I'd put, you know, I'd, I'd say that's why those two really... You know, I had some fantastic managers, Howard Kendall for a spell, Steve Thompson, people like that. But those two, you know, I, I had Brucey on three occasions, at Blues, Sheffield and back to Blues. Obviously, Neil on a couple of occasions. So, I think when you play for someone multiple times, you do you do build up that rapport with them.
1: Absolutely. Paul, totally. um, Paul you went for like... Uh, Kind of nerves in the run-up to games, not just as a young footballer, but like, you know, throughout your career, were you, were you someone who got nervous and, and apprehensive in the days before, in the, you know, in the hour before kickoff, or were you relatively?
2: No, I, I tell you, I always got nervous every game. I always got nervous just before you kicked off. I was never nervous the days before, but just before you kicked off, and I always wanted, like, every pro will tell you, you want to have a good first touch you want to have a good bit of control. Or if you're a forward, you want to take someone on, get a crossing or get a shot in. You get it and it bounces off your foot or someone tackles you, you think, oh, it's going to be one of them days today. So never, never nervous leading up to it. But like I say, just before kick-off, you get the flutters. And once you got your first touch, eh, nine times out of ten, you knew how you were going to play by that first touch. I don't know whether Andy was the same. I knew if I could get it down, beat someone, get a crossing or something, it oh, yeah. might be my day today.
1: Interesting interesting. It really is. Like the the initial feel just in the first I, few minutes. I think you know. Sorry, I, th- I,
0: I think I've, I think you know as a player if you're going to have a good game or a bad game in the first in the first probably five minutes. You know what I mean? You can yes, yeah. yes, you can work yourself out of a bad game if you have a bad first touch or something. You know what I mean? For me, and the way that I played is was a lot of confidence. Confidence based being an attacking player, and if I could have that. If I knew the longer the game went on, probably the same as Dev, that I had my, I had pace in my, in, my, in my locker. So the longer the game went on, I knew my, my strength and my pace was going to probably help me the last 20 minutes if I was still on the field. So if I could start well, I knew it was going to end well. Like, I didn't start well. It made I needed to start well because if I didn't start well, I potentially won't be on at the end. So it was a, a catch-22, but my first touch, my first probably getting involved in the game, you know what I mean? Sometimes because as being a centre-forward, you always take a kick-off. So you take kick off straight away, you pass it to somebody else, but you want the ball as quick as you possibly can. So you know, what I mean, for the centre forward, you pass it between yourselves and to the midfield or to a fullback or to a wide man, and then but then you're looking for the ball as soon as you can, and it's so it's so important to get that first touch. You know, what I mean, you see teams now that along the back goalkeeper, everyone gets a touch. It's just to calm everybody down. You look at watch the Euro game, um, Harry Maguire. What he kicked the ball out of play straight away for a corner for his first touch, and then he headed the ball out, set the first goal open it. You know what I mean. So his first touch was horrific, but he he, he got himself out of it straight away, and it's so important to to be able to do that and have the confidence to do it as well.
1: Spot on, mate. And um, Paul, a few play, a few people, a few players, a few people in the chat have asked. Uh, could you give us a story relating to Neil Warnock, please?
2: <laughs> I could give you. But there's loads, but probably some that I couldn't tell you. I'll tell you one. It's it's a bit vulgar though. <laughs> no, Neil so- Warnock suffered badly with piles. So he would always, always <laughs> at the end of the game, right? Put his suit and tie on, put his jacket on, naked from the waist down, one foot up on the bench, standing up. Put his paw cream on. Now, if you'd had a bad game and you'd lost, he would be ad- he would be administering <laughs> the worst telling off to the team ever whilst doing this. So you don't want to you don't want to look at him because you, you can't help but look what he's doing. You don't want to look away because he might think you're ignoring him. So it was really, really, really awkward. And, and he'd done that at Matt's County and he'd done it at Sheffield. But, it, you know, he just, you just didn't know where to look. But he could be going at you hundred miles. An and, he, you know, the language you can imagine. All while he's putting his ball cream on. Which, the the multitasking was fantastic
1: excellent
0: quality I like that a lot quality, this is quality. Really good. that's a great question it's, it's a great one well obviously <laughs> um, we, we we've, we've potentially heard this story from uh, from somebody else dev but um tell us about you leaving Nuss County obviously you left you, you got sold to Birmingham along with um obviously a good friend of the show and good friend of mine Andy leg uh... oh
2: frogss
1: uh... yep. Well, um, well,
2: myself, myself, Leggy and Michael Johnson were really, really close
1: friends.
2: Really really close friends, myself, John and Leggy. And we lived, well, it was Leggy's house. We all all sort of lived there. Um, And John got a move to to Birmingham. Um, And I I just remember Leggy wasn't actually in the team at the time. He fell out with Colin Murphy and um, Steve Thompson. And Barry Fry came down to sign me. Uh, and he was watching a reserve game, funnily enough, with Steve Thompson and Colin Murphy. And Blues at the time, do you remember Kevin Francis, six foot seven, massive?
0: Yeah, big Blues, boys,
2: glad, yeah. He was Blues record signing, 800,000. So Barry's there with Steve Thompson and Colin Murphy trying to do a deal to sign me. And he saw Leggy take a throw in. So he's gone, we'll have him as well. We'll have it because Leggy, <laughs> he could throw it Leggy, and he threw oh, it flat. Especially for away. Kev, he'd oh, yeah, well, have been a dream. And, and, and it actually ended up going to a league trodunal because the non-league club that I left, well, Armitage had a salon and Stafford had a salon and it was 40% of the transfer fee. And we went for 500 grand, the two of us, and all was valued at about 50 grand. And Leggy was valued at about four and a half, so they only had to pay. well some percentage of that so it actually it actually went to a bit of a
0: trial Leggy said Leggy like said it was the other way around Leggy like said it was the other way around
2: <laughs> <laughs> But Leggy Leg- oh
0: big big pal of Leggy He was great, great lad we had some
2: he's another one you know I still speak to Leggy now and again Me, him, and John I was you know really really close and good player I see like that move to that move to Blues for Leggy was great as well because Leggy went on to play international football and I think that was a catalyst for that but real good
0: lad Leggy yeah, no, I totally agree. So, so for you, for you, for you personally, then, Dev, was that was it a dream come true to play for Birmingham? obviously been a been a brummy lad, and 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 then obviously you've, you've obviously played for them twice. You you still got an affiliation with the club now. So, how important was it to play for Birmingham City?
2: Yeah, my uncle, when I was about eight or nine, started taking me down the blues. Like I so my dad was a Scotsman and big Celtic fan. But my uncle started taking me down the blues when I was about eight or nine in the the early 80s. You know, blues had a good team: Tony Colton, Frank Worthington, Dave Lang and Mark Dennis. You know, re- really good team. So that sort of got me hooked on the blues a little bit. And then to get the chance to go and play for them, you know, was brilliant. You know, the, the club that you've you've stood and watched as a as a boy to get the chance to put that shirt on was great. And and to sign for a character like Barry Fry was was absolutely fantastic. You know. I don't think you'll get many people with a bad word to say about Baz. And he, he really brought him along with David Sullivan and David and Ralph Gold and Carol Braden. They really brought the club out of the doldrums. The club was was on its knees really before they come in, and they, you know, they got it back and ultimately to the Premier League. Absolutely. They. Um,
1: it's it's the funny. It's, it's
0: funny. It's funny though, sorry, si, that people say that though, because they, they they take a lot of stick. Those three, you know, what I mean, individuals about um, yeah, they do. Uh, West West Ham currently, you know what I mean. That there's not very many owners who who do get some good words to say. So for an ex-player um, and a supporter of the club to say good things about them, about where the club was and and where they left them, obviously where they left, you know what I mean, is 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 quite refreshing, really. Did you feel pressure Dev playing for Birmingham? Being a being a Birmingham fan, did it did it add the pressure? Did it take it off? How did it? How, how did how did you handle well, it? All? I was lucky, really. My my, my
2: first game, uh, my first game was Sunderland at home. Uh, and I'd scored, Nuts, I'd played for Nuts County against Sunderland that season, scored two and we'd beat Sunderland 3-2. So, me and my ultimate wisdom, first game uh, at St Andrews, and I've heard that Andy Melville was playing centre-half, I was playing down the middle this day for some reason, and all oh, like an idiot have popped up and I've got, oh, I murdered him three weeks ago, I've ran him ragged and up. we lose one, <laughs> day, Andy Melville scores the goal, to so you can imagine what Andy said to me. But the second game was a, was a Monday night game and it was um, Wolves at home and Wolves-Birmingham, obviously because we weren't in the same league as Villa, is a massive rivalry uh, and it was a full house and we won 2-0 and I scored both the goals. So I got off to a flight. I think I scored, I scored 18-15 under Barry Fry, Baz went, Trevor come in. I was top scorer the next season with 19, and player of the year. So I had a good start, mate. I, I hit the ground running for Blues, which, which you know yourself. And if you're a forward and you're scoring, it, it, it makes everything a lot easier.
1: Well, Barry Fry, mate, um, like he seems to me from the outside, like a, a real character. He's very much like, you know, the likes of and Mann and, uh, and Neil Warnock kind of those larger than life characters. Like, What's he like to work with day to day and and deal with? Is it difficult? Is it easy? Like, what was he?
2: You know, what was he like? He was just a fantastic football man, uh, great character. The good thing about Baz, you could have the most heated disagreement, argument, nearly a punch up with him, and he'd forget about it like that. Um, you know, he'd not so much. Didn't hardly do any coaching. Again, he was more of a of a motivator and a, a man manager. And, you know, at that time, it was really exciting times down the blues because Baz's sort of ethos was, if we're 3-0 down, we'll put three forwards on and score five. Mm. So you used to see loads and, like, you know, I don't think there was many 0-0s. And and if you look, I mean, I know people always take the nick that Baz signed hundreds and hundreds of players, but if you were to actually break down some of the players that he signed, you know, for 100 grand, 200 grand and sold for over a million... Liam Dace, Gary Breen, Jonathan on Gary Paul, mm. all ones that was under 150 grand and went on to make the club, you know, in excess mm. of a, a million pounds. So ba- Baz knew a player, and he was he was infectious. Baz, he was you couldn't help but like him. Sometimes you'd want to strangle him, but you couldn't mm. help but like him. But he, he was brilliant, and and the esteem that he's still in down at Birmingham. Well, it'll be great this season because he'll come back with Peterborough, and he will get when he comes in to watch the game, he will get the biggest the biggest chair of of anyone. That and that, and that shows you how, how much our regard he's held in Board Blues fans.
1: It's interesting. Again I can hear it. Like you mentioned there as well, there
0: as well. So, sorry Sai. Um he said he, he, about there that he's still doing it now for, for Peter. He's signing players, selling them on for millions and millions of pounds. You know what I mean? He's getting players from non-league football. He you've got a manager now who scours... The football world, you know what I mean? I'm about non-league football, low league football, and and gets gems out of there and sells them on. Normally attackers, uh, but some sometimes he's done it with defenders. He's done it with um, St. Ledger's and things at Peterborough before. You know what I mean? He's, he's got a track record of doing it, but he started at Birmingham and, he, and he's carried it through, uh, which is it's just testament to the people aren't about scouting systems and stuff, but for the managers to do it. For me, managers are hard work and hard work these days, yeah, but never,
2: never happens. No, it never happens. Yeah, I mean, right. I think you know. If you look at Baz, yeah, he has got the. You look at Mikhail Smith, Aaron McLean, uh, the lad Tony that's just gone mm. to Brentford, and you know Baz is from a non-league background as well. I remember playing against Barry Fry's Bionic team when when I was non-league, and yeah, you know, I, I was with him about three or four months ago. I had a cup of tea with Barry at his house, and he's still adamant. Those players are out there. If if you're willing to go and find them and, and not be a football snob and give someone from the lower yeah. league a chance. I think, I think we suffer sometimes with a bit of football snobbery. Well, he's not a premier league player. Well, how do you know until you give him his chance in the premier league, you know, go and give him 20, 30 games in the premier about? league. And l- let's see if he can become a yeah. premier league player. So, but Baz's track record tells you, though, those, those gems are out there.
1: Yeah. But I think premier no, league not. clubs and championship clubs have really, uh, In the in the whole, on the whole, they're poor at it. Like there's so much talent in the in League One, League Two, in non-League football that the Championship clubs just don't seem to want to touch. They'll go and get uh, either journeymen or experienced footballers who are coming to the end of their career from the Premier League, or they'll take young players on loan from Premier League clubs. And it's just frustrating because you'd think go to the lower leagues and pick up players; they'll be cheap. Which is you know good for the football club, and give them a chance because I guarantee you there's plenty of footballers down in that in the non-league system, yeah. which are good enough to play football league. You know football league football.
2: Yeah, well, well, well I think mo- I think most of the clubs in the conference now are full time anyway. You know, there's probably yeah. n- not many of them that don't train. You know, four or five days a week at least. But you know, I- I'm a big believer that you- you've got to give these guys a chance to step up. I mean, I, I saw it loads of time, and I. I can't even remember most of the players. We'd sign for whatever club I was at, somebody who's played in the Spanish second division or played three games for Barcelona when they were 20 and and they come over, they don't play, they drift back to Spain. I saw it every club I was at. Rather than drop down, go to the second division or the conference, get a young, hungry kid and give him a chance. And I do think there is a certain amount of football snobbery about it. I really do
0: it's interesting. I, I also, I also think, guys, uh, for me, that I don't. Th- I, like we said there, there's not enough people who want to do the groundwork. You know what I mean? Will, will these recruitment systems, scouts, will they look that far down? You know what I mean? Are the expert at that kind of level? I, I'd say no. You know what I mean? Because mm. they used to, they used to watching under-23 under, under football, where they think that, that they're going to find a gem. You're not going to find a gem at under-23 level football. For me, you're going to find a lad. Um, <laughs> Who's who's got loads of pace? Who's playing for Hucknall Town, for example, in the in the in the mm. conference spot, and he's scoring bags and bags and bags of goals. But oh, yeah. he's he's got a job. You know, but I mean, he, he wants an opportunity, and yeah. it could be Harrogate Town signing him on, it could be Lincoln City signing him on, it could be Sunderland yeah. signing him on. And I think it's so disrespectful sometimes these kind of players don't get an opportunity because I played in non-league football. Dev obviously uh, played in league football before he came to pro football. I mean, there's, there's there's lads out there, but there's. And there's lads who want a chance out there. You know, I mean? some lads who are yeah. comfortable and are happy playing non-league football because they've got a good job and they don't want to take a risk. But there's lads who want a chance, and those lads yeah. deserve a chance. Some of them. You know what I mean? It's it's it's, it's really important. You mentioned there, Dev about Premier League. I've got to mention it because um, I watched it the. Other, it was the other day. It was uh, it was it was in playoff final. Uh, obviously, it's a very important penalty for your beloved Blues. Um, yeah. And obviously with England getting beaten penalties with the pressure, you know what I mean? It was Millennium Stadium. Tell people obviously about the playoff final. Tell people about um, the viewers how, how how much pressure you felt as an individual because those kind of moments don't come around very often and and how different would it have been if the outcome wasn't wasn't the outcome what, what happened?
2: Oh well it was you know it's definitely one of the biggest, if not the biggest game I ever played in. You know, 70, I think 74, 76,000 people. The game's worth 150, 160 million to the club. We hadn't been in the Premier League for 16 or 17 years. So it's massive. And obviously the game itself, I don't remember too much about the game. I just remember obviously going behind and then big Jeff Orsfield's pulled us back. And then it go into penalties. You know, we'd practised. Not that I take a great deal of heat in practising penalties because you can't replicate the pressure. But we had, we had, we had practised them. Um and I knew we had decent penalty takers, but, but actually taking one after you've played 90 minutes and extra time. I always liked a long run-up with my penalties uh, and I had to shorten it because I knew I was going to get cramping in my calves. So it was just a matter of getting to strike the ball before my calves cramped up. But yeah. I hate it now when I see players taking penalties with these stupid run-ups, these stutters and the move from side to side. Mm. It, it's a real, real pet hate of mine. My sort of thinking, I took probably 21, 22 penalties in my career. I think I missed one. Uh, I just used to blast it. I used to pick a corner and I used to hit it as hard as I can because I was thinking, well, even if the keeper saves it, he's not going to hold it. You've got a chance of a rebound. And I certainly wouldn't do a silly silly run-up because it's like you're concentrating more on the run-up than the actual strike of the ball. You know, if you're in doubt, and, and, and let me tell you, the pressure those lads were under... You what know, I hear people say a professional footballer shouldn't miss a penalty. Let me tell you the goal looks about that big. The keeper mm. looks that big. And and for me it was a really emotional thing as well, because I, I was shattered. I thought if I miss this, I'm gonna be the Bromley that they all they all remember that missed the penalty. And I would have been remembered if we hadn't won that game and I missed, you're always gonna be remembered as one of the lads that missed in the playoff final. So when I scored, I think if you see I, I do that. But the over the overwhelming reaction was I could have burst into tears to be honest. Just relief, just pure yeah. relief. And then obviously yeah. we have a we have an 18-year-old kid step up and put one in to, to, to get us up, which you know has gone down in folklore. But you know it's you got to be a certain type of player to take a penalty. I have a big joke with Jeff Horsfield about this. I remember a lot when Bruce has gone who wants one? Either behind the out, or you know, no, it's it's not for everyone taking a penalty. Yeah. Um, I think you gotta you gotta be a special breed to wanna put yourself forward. So I'd never criticize anyone for missing. I'd certainly criticise
0: the technique and the run ups. Hmm. Do you know what, that si, This is this is this is so this is so refreshing though to hear this. After after especially what we've what we've just had to witness as England fans um, with, in, with with penalties and, and 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 I'll use something what Dev just said there about about run-ups and I'll and I'm going to talk about Harry Kane. So Harry Kane's penalty against Denmark, obviously Harry Kane's got a special way of taking it. Yes, he goes with power, but he changes his run-up against Denmark. Yep. Then he normally does. He normally has his quick step and he goes yeah. and, he, and he he, he changes run-up and he went to the other side. I don't know why. You know, it's only him who knows. It was it the pressure? Did it get to him? Yeah. But. We're on about now a, a player who's plays in front of those kind of people every week. It's it's just like water off ducks back. He, he takes yeah. them in training and he takes them in games. He, he's done it at national level. He's done it in Champions League level. He's done them in the Premier League and and for it to, for it to hit pressure and for for it to get to him. It must have really got to people because you just said that it takes a different breed of person to do it and I'll never I'll never have a go at somebody for missing you know what I mean I'm I'm the same if somebody tries to chip the goalkeeper which that, yeah. that that's the thing what drives me mad you know what I mean I, a run up yeah. is probably irrelevant but the little p- penenka whatever people yeah. call it is absolutely outrageous even if it goes in it makes me yeah. think I don't like you because you're trying yeah. to <laughs> wind people up you know winding me up um but then if you know what I mean I've seen it I've seen it happen for teams for for my teams, I've seen it happen for teams. You know what I mean? It happened. I remember obviously the Cardiff fans in the in the group chat. I remember it against Leicester City. I think Leicester City played Cardiff in a cha- in a in a Championship playoff semi final, and the Leicester the Leicester player tried to do it on a winning penalty, and they end up getting beat because of it. And I just it, it's 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 just so fruitful and lives with you because it's funny, but it's also as a player. I remember Dev. You'll know when when goalkeepers do it when you try and chip a goalkeeper in training. He catches yeah. it, kicks it as far as he can. And you have to go and get, yeah. you have to go and get it, and that's always what reminisces with me. That I just see yeah. a keeper doing it, and it's just, I just, it's disrespectful. But do you know what? It, yeah. And it was one thing when I watched the penalties the other day for the for your for your game. Um, it was just, I was, I, I, I knew the outcome, and I knew you yeah. scored, and I knew, um, obviously, I knew all the other guys. I knew who was going to miss, I knew who was going to score, I knew obviously Norwich were knew losing the game, but you're still nervous because you you know that you, you can feel the pressure yourself as a yeah. player because you know exactly yeah. that. In 30 seconds, I could be a hero or a zero, and it's just that's how scary it is. And for a Birmingham yeah. fan, for a Birmingham player, oh, it must have been a it must have been it must have been elation during after that moment in the final. But it was a, a brilliant feeling, and and credit to you because it just shows everything what you've done, fantastic. And let,
2: and let me tell you, mate, we, we had four days solid celebrating. You had, had about a good crack in the last Four <laughs>
0: days after that. Four? And, and then, mate, four you've, you've, I thought, yeah, you, you must have been looking after yourselves then, because four is quite... <laughs> four is quite <laughs> I'd slow down a bit. I'd slow down I'm a bit. I going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, going to say Andy,
1: how many days did you do after the Millennium Stadium? More than four, uh, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, I probably missed. I probably missed the next preseason. To be honest, I was, <laughs> uh, that's how. That's how. That's how, uh, that's how steep it was. I came back about a stone and a half overweight. That's how. Uh, that's how steep it was. It was horrific, but it was. It was worth it. I'll, 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 I'll tell you that. It was uh, one of those moments that you. De- I devil tell you, you know I mean, there was. I've never played at Wembley. That's one. I wouldn't say it was a regret. It's just. It's because it wasn't. Being, it was getting rebuilt, but. Um, there was something special about the Millennium Stadium during yeah. FA Cup Finals, which I went to. I, I've been watching England, England Wales games there, rugby games, but playing there, it had something special. And I'm not saying Wembley doesn't have something special because I've never sampled it. But the Millennium Stadium with the roof, on, with the roof there, and everything—it's oh, just it was, the, it just echoes, yeah. and it, it's it just was, absolutely <laughs> amazing stadium. And it's just something which, if people want to go and watch a game, if it's rugby or football or whatever's there, go and watch it, and just just tell them what the atmosphere is like. It just seems to have a. I have something special about it. I don't know what it is. It's just, mm. it's just amazing. amazing. I, I was fortunate because I applied at
2: Wembley, the Millennium, and Hamden. So three of them. I played, national, I played Hamden. I played Hamden. I played the
0: Hamden the well, that's, that's when I played at Hamden. Yes, it's, yeah. that's some stadium as well, mate. isn't it because it's just, yeah, yeah, It's so open. It's the first time I'd played in a in a proper stadium with a track round as well, and it was like yeah. that. It's full, but it it looked miles away, and it it, it, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. it, it made it made it look even better. and we we played Celtic like there in a, in a cup final of Dunfermline. It was uh, yeah, it was men against boys. To be fair, it was it was it was fun, but it was it wasn't fun. It was fun. It, the, the best bit, the best bit of the game was walking out before the game and and, and shaking yeah. hands, and then after that it was horrific. But it was, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> you got a medal at the end of it, I guess. So it was, that yeah, it was shipmate, Very yeah. much worth it. Very much worth it. So you mentioned there about Hamden. How proud were you then? Were you and your family? How proud was your dad to uh, to watch? You wear that blue shirt or the white shirt, whatever call it, or pink shirt, I know they had some outrageous... Yeah, it, time, but it I mean.
2: was a strange one, mate, because to be honest, there'd been rumours down the years that I was going to get a call-up and I, I never did. Mick McCarthy rang me uh, before he announced his first Republic of Ireland squad because I've got great-grandparents that were from the Republic of Ireland, but FIFA changed... That year, FIFA changed the rules so you could only go back as far as your grandparents. Otherwise, I'd have been in Mick McCarthy's first Republic squad... Um, so it you know, it, it took me. I was 30 when I got my first cap, and, and the only reason I got that cap was I wasn't playing any better than I had been for the previous seven or eight years. But we'd got to the Premier League, and I was playing in the Premier League. Uh, and then this is how, how strange it was my dad was at St Andrews, so St Andrews holds 28,000. We're playing Newcastle on a Saturday afternoon. My dad ended up sitting behind Archie Knox, who was there to watch me. So he heard Archie Knox on the phone to Bertie Vokes, giving me a glowing report and yeah, yeah, get it. So my dad knew I was gonna get called up before Boinger. So in a, in a in a stadium of twenty eight thousand people, just by pure chance he was sat behind Archie Knox. Cool. And then obviously but Bertie Vokes rang me, asked me if I'd be interested and I jumped at the chance. But but if I'm being honest with you, it probably came a little bit too late at, at thirty. But it was, yeah. you know, it was still something I never dreamed that I'd I'd get to do and you know, ended up I never scored a goal but you know I got ten caps and played played in some big games played against Germany at Hamden in a euro qualifier played against Holland played against Portugal with figo and people like that so you know it's another thing I can always look back and be immensely proud of
0: yeah i I think to play for your country is just a, it's, it's the pinnacle for me and uh, mm. and and to, and to do it you've just named some clubs there and some players which is just mm. absolutely outrageous you know it's 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 just special times and and when people are talking about uh, national stadiums and Hampden Park, there's no, there's no more special stadium than playing under the lights at Hampden with that raw, yeah. you know. They're, they're, it's just. Yeah, yeah. Then again, it has that special raw because the, the fans are so uh, fanatical about about their country. Yeah. You know what I mean? That they're, they're so passionate about their players, want the yeah. teams to do so well. And and when we refer back to um, to the conversation at the start, you know what I mean? They need to get back to those happy times. Yeah. They need to go back to them special times and. And, and build the foundations and the fundamentals and get them right to, 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 to support them going forward for the next eight yeah. years, 12 years, because it's not about the next World Cup, it's not about the next Euros, it's about, it's about like you said, the next Kenny Dalglish, the next, yeah. you know what I mean, the, the next Ali McCoyst, you need, yeah, these yeah. kind of players, they need to replicate these players in, yeah. in, in, in order for them to do it. I've um, got a couple of more questions left for me and then I think we're going to finish off. Sai's going to pick a, a question from the viewers so he'll have a look through now. Okay. So my two, my two. My um, two. Deb what's it, what, have you got any regrets from football? You know what I mean. I, I tended to probably stay away from them because the the, the negative thoughts in your head. I know you're big on your mental health, but have you got yeah, any regrets from your from your professional? Football? Yeah,
2: the, the only regret, I mean, two really. Uh, I ended up falling out with Trevor Francis at Blues. and uh, You know, anyone that knows Blues, tre- tre- Trevor's God. You know, best ever player for Blues, and I did well for him. He just he just didn't like me, or didn't no, sorry, didn't like me, didn't didn't write me that highly, and obviously ended up going. But I, I sort of left under a shadow. Um, and then, so same thing again, the way I left Sheffield United, I'd had four four really good years at Sheffield United, and I, I got tapped up to go back to Blues, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, and I sort of left there under a bit of a crowd as well. And, you know, the, the, the supporters at Sheffield had been amazing to me for four years. Uh, so they, they're, they're little regrets. But then, you know, I, I look back and I think, well, I went to Blues. I ended up getting promoted and playing mm. international football. So it was the right decision I probably I probably
0: could have gone about it in a better way. Yeah, be every cloud. Well, you've mentioned loads. The final question for me. You've mentioned loads of positives, which is which is great. What's the worst thing about being a professional footballer? So, if that's if that's not going out on a Friday night, for example, or or, or or not having a social life towards the end of your career, what's the what's the worst thing about being a, being I a mean, player? To, to be honest,
2: that it's like Christmas and New Year being in hotels. It never bothered me because it was just something that had to be done. I always made up for not going out on a Friday on a Saturday and Sunday anyway. <laughs> so that, that didn't bother me. But I would say the thing that done my head in was the travelling, yeah. the the hours on the bus and hours in a the hotel. There's a lot I found being a footballer. There's it because it's not like today where they're probably training twice a day you know for the majority of my career it was in it in for 10 done for 12 and you got that much time on your hands that the boredom was a big factor um so i think there was a lot of downtime and obviously you can't you got to be careful what you're doing you got to keep yourself what you got to keep yourself fit but yeah the the hours on end traveling and being stuck in hotels but but listen mate i've done something for 15
0: years that my mates would have given their right hand to do so i'd never moan about anything really Bang on, and, and you know what? This is that, that. That wasn't a question to the viewers. That wasn't a question to um, for people to jump on the back and say, you know, what I mean, we, we were very lucky. We, we were very lucky to be players. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you know, what I mean, I, what comes with having loads of time in your hands is 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 the bad thoughts, and yeah, and yeah. Uh, and the probably the drinking and the gambling, and that's yeah. when pe- that's when players have got themselves into loads of trouble. You see the, yeah. the, the world's best have got themselves into trouble. The gases of this world, and mm-hmm. um, and people making the wrong choices because of probably that boredom and. Yeah. And back in the day, there wasn't probably people to support players. There wasn't people yeah. to ask if um, for support. There wasn't people. You know what I mean? We, we were we were probably smaller on um, on staff, As in, there was no yeah. sports science, no psychologists, no people yeah. to talk to. And nowadays, you can you can probably keep yourself busy till probably tea time, and then you're starting over the cycle again. And yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, your honesty tonight has been absolutely superb. And uh, so have you got one more question from. Yeah, well, Your there's a, a couple of,
1: couple of things uh, I just wanted to throw at you. Um, so, Gaz just put a question in, um, which I found quite interesting because I was thinking it about five or ten minutes ago. Uh, and he said, uh, Would Paul do an episode of Mental Health and Sport with Cy? Uh, so, that's a good one. I like that. Um, but also, I wanted to know if uh, I want this question from me, first of all Has football ever made you cry, Paul? Um, whether a game or a moment yeah or listen
2: what, what, after I scored the penalty in the play I did an interview and I really really had to fight back tears then yeah so yeah, I think it's, it's an emotional sport isn't it you know really really emotional mm-hmm. um, so I'd say that's probably that's probably you know I got relegated once with Notts County as well you know that's that's horrible it's, it's probably one of the worst feelings for a footballer but you try not to, to show it don't you but yeah mm-hmm. it's Deep down, it's, it's made me probably cry, cry loads more times than I can even remember. Well, and, I've and been I a Blues that. fan as well, mate. Let me tell you, I was just
0: about to say that there, Dave. <laughs> as well, you know, when you're a Birmingham fan, so you're probably cry more Saturdays, to be honest. Um, I think I think as a, as a player, I think you get you get so many so many highs which are great, and they're they're up there. And when you hit a low you know what I mean, it gets you, and if people will be lying if they, if they say it didn't make her upset, you know what I mean, if you're being told that you're not needed from a club, it, it yeah. really gets to you, you know what I mean, and yes, you might not cry in front of people, because you try to keep a persona yeah, in front of people that you're all hard, and, but when you're, Dev said, when you're getting that much time by yourself, you know what I mean, it's so, you're, you're lonely, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. and, you, and, you, and you think of bad thoughts, and you get upset, and you and you can't help but get upset, you know what I mean, if you're in a hotel, or you're, or you're on the bus, and you're away from your family, it's, it's really hard. It's really difficult to um, to not be emotional. You know what I mean. You score a goal. You know what I mean. Yeah. It doesn't matter what le- what level. It could be your first goal. It could be your last goal. You know what I mean? Because you, you know what I mean. It's just it, the emotions get to you, and until yeah. that moment happens, you don't know how you're gonna. How you gonna? And, and it, I know. I as well.
2: I was pretty lucky. Injury wise end I never had a long term injury. But some of the lads that I played with, who had a year, eighteen months out, and I, and I, I don't know whether I'd have been mentally strong enough to to keep focused if i had a year out because that would have completely broke broke my heart Uh, and i was lucky really and and it's funny because i was talking to a young lad at at work the other day and he was he was asking me about achievements and he said what what are you most proud of and I, i look back now and i think the thing i was most proud of in in nearly 15 years i was never out of contract so that means somebody wanted me all the, all the time. So yes, as, exactly. yeah, it was great to play in the Premier League. It was great to play internationally. But it's nice to look back and think, well, I must have been doing something OK because I was always, you know, being out of contract for a player. Yeah. That, that, that's really stressful. Yeah. Where's, where's the next paycheck coming from? Mm. Who am I going to sign for? So although we are really, really lucky to do, to do, you know, to do what we do or to do what we've done, you know, it, it isn't easy. It isn't easy sometimes, and, and I can see why players struggle, especially after football. How how do you replicate the high of scoring in front of twenty thousand people, them all singing your name, everyone wanting to buy you a drink on a Saturday night, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you, you're not a footballer anymore.
0: Hmm. You know, it's, oh, it's oh, we've said that on ASI. So, you know, I did. Uh, I did size mental health. Sean, that was one of the. That was one of the things that I spoke about quite. No, I wouldn't say freely, but it, it, it's it was more that one minute I was a professional footballer, I was somebody. Yeah, the next yeah. minute I was a nobody, and I wasn't being disrespectful to myself there. But that's how that's how I had to get myself my head round being a, being a player and not being a player. Because yeah, yeah, I, I, one minute I'm i not better than anybody, but but I'm one, 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 one in people's aspirations and people I'm up there, and then one and then the next day I'm just the same as anybody else. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm at work, I'm unemployed, and and it's a scary situation. It's that transition and. Nowadays, there's a lot more um, people to help you within that transition. Yeah, I think awesome. when we played, the transition wasn't there. There was yeah, no yeah. transition to, to be had, and you had to get yourself or other people, family, ex players, yeah. um, to probably help you with that transition. It's a, it was, just, it's a scary time. You don't know I mean to say that about, about lads now. There's that many players who who become unemployed now um, out of mm-hmm. contract now. I think there's about. Fifteen hundred players currently unemployed. You know, we have got the season starting in two weeks. It's 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 a scary thing, right? And,
2: and the scary thing as well, mate, is I mean, I, I was lucky because obviously with the non-league background, I'd actually done a bit of work before I went pro, so I knew what it was all about. I speak to some of my mates who have been like cocooned in the system from day one, who've never done a day's work. So it's not easy to go out into the real world and earn yourself three or four, 500 quid a week. I said, you know, you, ain't, you certainly ain't going to be doing two hours a day. You know what I mean? So for those lads who have never seen. The outside of football, I think it's even more difficult. Yeah.
0: I think it is because they've got I no totally experience. Agree. Yeah, I totally agree. With it. It's that, it's that, it's that. Getting up at seven o'clock in the morning, doing a full day's work, going to play on the yeah. night, getting in at two o'clock in the morning, getting yeah. up from work again at seven in the morning, doing the same thing again, and and looking forward to a Saturday. It's never ending. Or shift work. It's, it's, it's scary. You know what I mean? But what about people saying people getting upset um, about football during football? How? How lovely is it going to be when fans are back in stadiums this season? The first yeah. goal, the first goal for Cardiff City, for Middlesbrough, for Birmingham, yeah. for that first player to do it, for the fans to be there. Listen, there's going to be some tears for everybody because it's going yeah. to be it's going to be it's going to be great. But as long as as long as the first goal in those three games are for <laughs> those three teams, because yeah. there'll be a lot of people crying, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah, so yeah. Fingers crossed, fingers oh,
1: crossed. Hundred percent, mate. Um, okay, I think we'll let will we'll cut out a podcast there. What we need to do, and I think, is we need to start later because your internet connection is fine. I know it happens all the time. State. It happens it's all the fine time. Up it
0: happens so all the time. It was always better in the. Se- it was always better in yeah, the second I half. I told you. I-, I, <laughs> well, come in, I come into the game last twenty minutes. I come into the game last twenty minutes because everyone's tired. <laughs> Super fun. <laughs> <tired. laughs>
1: here we go. It's crazy. But uh, no, look, uh, Paul, sensational mate. I really, yeah,
0: uh, really Have enjoyed, enjoyed it. Like, thank you. you. Thanks yeah, for like, mate. You're. you're your honesty, um, you just your just your character, your, your character, it just it just shines through. It's just absolutely amazing, mate. You should be you should be super proud of, of your career. You know what I mean? That's why that's why when I spoke to Cy si about about you coming on, that I knew exactly what we were going to get tonight. Uh, I told everybody about it. You know I me mean? the comments we've had from the viewers, um, the new viewers, what you brought, and the comments that they that they've brought, mate. It's just absolutely fantastic. Cheers, lads. Appreciate
1: it. And uh, guys, obviously we had uh, Daddy Button fight show last night. If you missed it, check it out. There's a really, really interesting one with uh, Jack Eglin, a uh, professional fighter. We've got more top guests coming. We've got more shows coming, more series coming, new series of mental health and sport coming, new series of my story coming, plus some news, hopefully by the end of this week, contracts are signed, so we will see. But uh, all good. Thank you very much for everyone, for the sport, for the comments, for the likes, everything. Please come back, spread the word, and most of all, Be safe. Cheers. work.